fucking deep. I like it. These guys are jerks. Fucking deep. Bless you, boys. Young men expressing themselves. Unbelievable. Fucking deep. Put it in deep. It's outrageous. I think it is the most gutless thing somebody could ever do. You can ask any one of his teammates. Nobody wants to play with him. This guy is a bad guy, bad teammate. You know, focus on himself all the time. I don't even know what he's thinking. He's just a complete brickhead. He got nothing up there. He's going to keep you know, begging to be in the NHL, but no team's going to want him. This guy's just an absolute joke and just a bad guy. And it's just, it's, it's gutless, but I, I can't really wrap my head around it. Children don't even do this. This, this guy's just a bad guy and not even a good player either. You know, get pucks deep, putting the puck deep, put pucks in deep. You can never go wrong with getting pucks in deep. Just put the puck deep, getting pucks out, getting pucks deep, pucks in deep, pucks in deep, puck deep, pucks deep, keep getting pucks deep. Mike Ross here, public address announcer for the Toronto Maple Leafs. You're listening to the Pucks in Deep podcast with Adam Lesko and Josh Coleman. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pucks in Deep podcast. Josh Coleman, Adam Lesko, as public address announcer for the Toronto Maple Leafs, Mike Ross so eloquently pointed out in our intro. Yeah, you don't have to say it anymore. I, I guess I don't. Job. I guess I don't. It's a little redundant now, but uh, yeah, welcome good. back, folks. Episode 91, John Tavares, uh, Stephen Stamkos. Uh, yeah, episode 91, we are back, and a uh, bit of a interesting intro there, let's go. Uh, hey, Brady, tell us how you really feel. It was remarkable how calm he was in that that whole thing, especially those like, post-game interviews. Sometimes guys are still pretty hot. Right. Like, I understand he's got a pretty like pretty cool demeanor, considering like how intense he is on the ice. But I thought he was remarkably like calm in his remarks, despite insulting like every aspect of this guy's life. Oh, of his like, life. You're a terrible teammate. You're no one likes you. Your Bad teammates guy. don't like you. Bad guy. Cement head. Brickhead. Brickhead. It's the first time I've heard brickhead. I've, heard, I've used cement head before. Cement but, head. I've heard. Yeah. Brickhead is is a first. But yeah, I mean, come on. Tell us how you really feel, man. Like just an absolute joke. Just tax uh, out the end. Terrible player or whatever. Yeah, and I love the very end. Is I love the end as well. Not even a good player. Like not even not even a good player, anyways. Guys should be out of the league. No team wants him. And I mean, in fairness to Brady Kachuk, like he got bit for yeah. he got bit for blood. Oh yeah. Like it wasn't just like a like a like a bite. There's been instances of biting that you know weren't able to be proven. I think before it was a similar situation here, right? So they, I read, I read. Well, I read Elliot Friedman's breakdown of the the suspension right he got five games okay and it was based on the fact that there was enough evidence to show that he had bitten him or attempted to bite him but that they didn't have like the conclusive bite the actual like his mouth is chomping hand. yes they did not have that precisely but they did have enough evidence to conclude that that it had taken place it was really weird the way they uh, if you watch their, their little NHL player safety video, the way that they they worded it. Because I thought perhaps he, he might get more, especially because the initial part was he got bit twice in that uh, It was twice. In that scuffle, yeah. You can kind of tell, too, how Brady reacts. You see, like, the thing's done, right? They're down in a pile, and 
the lineys are both on there, and it looks like it's over. And then all of a sudden, Brady's throwing. Ch- and I thought, I thought, man, you tell he's rattled because he's lying down the ice. So Brady's on his back, and he's reaching over the linesman, trying to sock this guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. And he's giving them the whole like he's showing this hand, like, look, he fucking bit me. He bit me. And yeah. You can just see it on his on his face, and you can read his lips. Obviously, he's saying he bit me. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, I thought the uh, response from Jonathan Quick was kind of funny you know I mean I guess he has to say something like that stand up for his teammate but like what do he say uh I'd, I'd take Lemieux over over that guy any day on oh. my team it's like come on John like I mean we we get you got to stick up for your guy and everything but that's a bit of a an egregious statement right you there. had to find something nice to say about him I guess yeah but I mean hey Lemieux doing his father proud right oh god getting a uh, sussy is it, is it? like <laughs> I don't I know Club Lemieux did some pretty wild shit some dirty shit some of the dirtiest plays we've ever seen. I don't think he ever bit anyone. I don't know if he ever bit anyone. <laughs> like I think, even think the history on on people suspended for biting is pretty pretty short list there. Like I don't know how. I know you get hot and beat in the moment and all that kind of stuff, but how do you how do you get to a point where you're just like ah, chomping down this guy's hands? Fuck well, him. I was thinking and earlier. Bray's an agitator too, so like right. clearly got. Under well, surprise, surprise that clothing his kid is short fuse. Right, I yeah, apple in the tree right there. Um, I, I was thinking about it earlier when I was clipping the intro, and I, I thought to myself like, I wanted to ask you, be honest, like, do you do you think that there's just zero chance, zero chance that you would bite if the fingers or the hand entered your mouth? I think it's easier said than done. I don't think it's zero percent because, like, you say somebody's giving you the old uh, gouging, you know, like got their and they get their hands in your mouth, and, right? And you're there's no telling what might happen in that situation, especially if say that's not the only confrontation occurring. Like, there's other people grabbing you, or there's a pile up, right? There's no no telling you wouldn't react, not necessarily intentionally biting this guy, like making the decision I'm going to bite this guy, but like. It's there, but you, you know that's happening. You you tense up. It'd like, be pretty easy to I think do it. I think it's easier said than done. A, a, I don't see a scenario where your mouth is open though, in in a place where their te- their fingers get in between your teeth. Well, I don't know. I mean, why is your mouth open? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, like, you, I'm making the face right like now. You, no one can see me, right, but like but I, you know, your your teeth are kind of apart. Well, you're tense you're, though. Like you're, you're yeah. True. You're, when you're in a scuffle, your mouth is closed. Your your jaw is tight. So. So, like, I feel like if you're biting something in this scenario, you made a conscious decision to open your your teeth and bite someone, as opposed to like, as opposed to like somebody jamming their hands in your mouth and you kind of inadvertently, you know, reactionary bite them. Well, that's why I wanted to ask. I like how we're trying to find a way to where maybe biting might be like forgivable. Well, otherwise, it just sounds like a, a stupid scummy like piece of shit thing to do right? but that's what it seems like and, and at its core like that's exactly what it sounds like and i keep saying like i think it's easier said than done to be like i would never i would never even that would never even cross my mind well man have you ever been in an nhl fight or scuffle before like it's not like when mike tyson bit evander holyfield like 
there it's on video. Right. You can clearly see that he was like, I'm gonna bite this dude and then bit him. It's not like Holyfield stuck his ear right in his mouth. And he bit him twice. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it, it was clear that it was clear that he had that intention. Whereas in this NHL scuffle, like I don't know if Lemieux goes into the scuffle with the mentality that like, hey, if anything comes near my mouth, I'm fucking biting it. I'm biting it. Like, you know, like, so I don't know. I think it's a lot easier said than done to proclaim that you would never do that. I think you'd have to be put in the situation to see exactly how you would react. Because, again, not to defend Lemieux or anything, but I just try and put myself in a situation where I'm, you know, I'm really fighting somebody. I think it's plausible. Exactly. Like, you put your fucking fingers in my mouth, whether you did it on purpose or not. Like, I don't know. It it might end up happening. Now, that being said, I think the bite was over the top because he, like, ends up biting his skin off. Like, the guy's bleeding. So, obviously, it's more than just, like, get get your hand out of my mouth like a warning snap or something like he literally bit it like it was a hard to chew steak or something yeah you got to figure with the evidence being there there's no deny it there's no like no i didn't like there with the evidence being there it's too obvious here's a question though is uh brady kachak a shoe in for sure olympic roster for team usa ah it's a good question man i mean a little bit on the spot because i'd like to consider you know who he would be ousting but my initial answer is yes Mm -hmm. because you do need that sort of tangible okay you need that to get under the skin of your opponents Uh, a player like that is going to really shine on the international level when you're talking about constantly playing against amazing players because that's what the olympics is right we all know it's best on best if the nhl goes more on that later but like we know it's best on best and that means that you know every line they throw out is going to have a sniper or a playmaker or something like that on that line and therefore you have to have the tools at your disposal to be able to you know get under their skin or, or throw them off their game so in my opinion yes i without really considering all the all the aspects of the of the discussion i would i would have them on what about you oh yeah i think it's a no brainer you want them playing you you definitely want to take uh, a chance on a Kachuk line, brother connection line. Um, maybe stick Austin Matthews in between the two of them or something crazy like that. I I That'd think be that's a, sick. That's a and and they and those two guys have the two brothers have the the skill set to play to justified being on the Olympic roster, but also have a, have an effect. And, and if you think about how Team USA built their team to compete with Team Canada back in what was it? Vancouver, I want to say, uh, they almost went with a bit of a grittier team, knowing that we're going to be playing defense and waiting for opportunities against the guys like Canada. Right. We're not trying to outscore Team Canada here. We're trying to, we're trying to beat them at, in a, a two-one hockey game, which they nearly did. So That's you right. got to figure if they take some inspiration from the last really uh, remarkable, I guess, U.S. run, uh, that would be the way to go. You know. Um it's been like a long time. I guess it's been three weeks since uh, since we've been here in the Pucks in Deep studio, which is very festive, as you can see. Well, as as you, Lesko, can see. The viewers or the listeners can't see. But um, welcome back. Glad to have you. Um, off the top, the Mike Ross clip, uh, I wanted to bring to everybody's attention that Mike Ross uh, ended up sending us a, a note on Twitter and said, hey, I listened to your guys' podcast and I'd like to be a part of it. Hmm. So 
he sent us an audio clip and I'm completely lying. Of course, I, uh, I reached out to Mr. Ross and he graciously, <laughs> it was some time ago. God, it must've been almost that was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, it was a long time ago. Just honestly, haven't really had the uh, energy or the time to uh, work on it and, and throw it in there. But I think it sounds really great. And, um, uh, the the joke about Ross reaching out to us and wanting to be a part of the podcast is a a, a small segue um, to another um, booking. You know the the Pucks and D podcast is now up for bookings. If you would like us to be a part of your podcast or or your show, <laughs> hit us up on Twitter. Which post your Christmas party, which, whatever. Which recently <laughs> actually happened. A podcast called the Scuttle Puck Podcast, uh, based out of Edmonton revolving around Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and the Edmonton Oilers, Zach Hyman. Uh, you know, they reached out. They want to have us on the show. So I thought that was kind of neat. I think it's, uh, it's a testament, Lesko, to the quality that we can bring to the hockey world, um, doing it in, in, in the garage here in the studio with our super cheap uh, Amazon <laughs> all-in-one kit. We got nice headsets now. Okay, we, really gradu- sharp we graduated to really sharp headsets. But other than that, it, it, it came in a box. We plugged it in, and we've been recording podcasts now uh, for three years in, in various locations, various studios, offices, bedrooms, basements, garages, uh, you name it. But, you know, 91 episodes in, let's go. We only got eight more to go after tonight's episode. Uh, to reach the century mark, which I feel like we should probably try and do something uh, of significance for the 100th episode. Uh, for tonight's episode, though, we're nice and warm in the garage. I got the Christmas village up. You see the Christmas? I know you like the Christmas village, I do. Right? I do like I don't know why. I don't, maybe it's a childhood thing. I don't know little, why. The little Christmas, they're so, they're so cute. No town looks like this unless maybe Europe or something. So, but, but in all honesty, it's funny. Neat. It's funny to why. hear you say two things. One, I love Christmas villages, and two, I don't know why, because I love Christmas villages, and I don't know why either. And in in one of my group chats that I'm in with a bunch of absolute ruthless degenerates, individual like just terrible individuals. They're all great guys, but we're you know you know how group chats go, right? So I'm in the group chat with the boys, and we're talking about you know Christmas decorations and putting up the tree or whatever. And one of the guys says, "I absolutely can't wait." to set up my Christmas village. <laughs> and and like some of the guys were giving it to him, you know, making fun of him. And I was like, man, I'm in, I'm in your park. I, I, I have my Christmas village set up. This came from uh, Kirstie's parents from out West, but like I got all excited. I found, I thought that this was a perfect little spot to put it on, on the workbench with a backdrop. And I said, I have no clue why I like these things so much, but I really do. And like, I don't know if I want to go so far as to get a goddamn train, like driving around oh, in a circle geez. or something. That'll be wonderful. You got to throw it on the fake snow. You're missing that that See, fake snow stuff. I was stuff. gonna do fake snow, but then it just gets all over the place. Yeah, and like true. people have beers here, and you know, after Tuesday night hockey, we'll have pizza and wings and stuff, and we'll set the food up up here. So I felt like the fake snow might might get in everyone's way, but uh, but yeah, I like think part of the appeal of these things is. Uh, when you're a kid, they they're they're so appealing. They're colorful. They're little. They look like toys, but you're not allowed like to touch to, them. You're not allowed to like play with them. They're like ceramic and shit, right? You're not allowed to touch them, little man. Don't fucking touch them. So you just got to look at them. You're never gonna touch them. Now you're an adult. You're like, I want to arrange these fuckers how I want to see them. How I want exactly. Get a so little park I'm bench, couple lampposts. Everybody, you know, send me a link. You see something on Facebook Marketplace. I'm gonna market for a fucking Christmas Christmas village. village. You know what's cool? You can get like hockey. Um, 
oh. themed ones. So you can get like leaf ones and you can get like the old maple leaf gardens. Oh. Like in this type now that's of next right? Level. And you get like a little Zamboni and stuff. You can kind of park it here and really cool, man. You know what else you can fucking get, which I almost pulled the trigger on with Kirsty. I think it was last Christmas. A fucking Hogwarts village. Oh, God. I'm a big Harry Potter guy, right? Right. So, like, a Hogwarts village with the castle, man. be so nasty. be so unreal. But, yeah, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what you guys Santa think. Santa does not deliver to wizards. At, not a chance. <laughs> at PuckPod, uh, at Coleman42, at Let's Go Adam. You guys can hit us up on Twitter. Let us know if you agree with us. Like, uh, for some reason, we have crazy obsessions with with christmas villages i don't know but as much as i do love the christmas village i think maybe my favorite part of the christmas decorations out here are the uh authentic clark griswold moose head mugs that he drank yeah, you find those so these were gifted to me uh i can't remember who someone gifted these to me for Christmas and there's like, only rum nog going those things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like rum nog or eggnog or whatever. And like, come on, dude, look at this thing. Ridiculous. It's so small, but that's the joke in the movie, right? Do you think they were like a one-off for the movie? And then just somehow because of the success, of the movie became super popular. I think so. I think that's totally accurate because like anyone was mass manufacturing these. In, no, in the early they're 90s. fucking stupid. They have no purpose whatsoever. Other the handle's than the impractical. It's a fucking antler. It's an antler. You can you like you can barely fit three shots. Yeah, of small. it's like a large shot glass. There's more glass dedicated to moose head features than there is to actual cup. That's right. And if you remember in the movie when he's all pissed off, right, and he dunks he dunks the moose head in the in the rum nog and just like hammers it back. <laughs> It's like a shot of, of rum nog. Pretty fucking funny. Uh, but yeah, it's December 1st. Uh, Christmas is is in the air. It's time for Christmas music, Christmas decorations. I, I, I have to admit it, Lesko. It, it is. It's, it's got to be my favorite time of the year. I just love it because you, you can't be this way and have these colorful things and listen to a certain criteria, like a certain genre of music. Like, it, it, it's it's unlike any other time of the year, right? It, it's got its own thing. And for like, I'd say roughly 30 to 40 days, depending on how horny you are for Christmas, for 30 to 40 days, it's just all out fucking Christmas. Let's go. I've been enjoying it so far. And I had a Christmas party. Friends missed there this past weekend with my uh, North Bay crew. So that was fun. Shout out to those guys. Nice. Um, so I'm, I'm getting Christmas spirit going early this year. I got... Went and picked up a fake tree, actually. I think we had this discussion once about the, the tree, where we stood on the trees. But fake tree. He's a long-time real tree guy, but there was a hell of a deal at Canadian Tire, so I, I bought one. And it's okay. It's not spectacular or anything, but I figured if there's any way I'm going to get my tree up early and get to enjoy it more, it's to have a, f- a fake one yeah, the and not way- have to go out and, and yeah. do the whole thing, which is what I like, actually. I love the whole wagon ride, go out, cut down your tree experience. Right. But... I was like, I also want to have trio earlier. If I was going to take it out of the box, then I guess that's the way to do it. But see, that's where I think having both comes into play. Because you can put up your fake one any old time. You can put the fake one up on November 12th. If you're like, I'm in that camp where I don't like to decorate for Christmas until after Remembrance Day. For no reason. Like, it's not like I'm like, oh, I have to Even that's honor pretty the horny. Like, stuff. Like, I know November's pretty dreary, but like. December is probably territory. I mean, having that thing up for a month is that's sufficient for me. But a fake one, right? So you can get away with putting up the fake one early as fuck. Yeah. And then wait for your 
cut it down and like, okay, December, like the first week or the second, even the second so week maybe of December. Easy way to go both ways. Yeah, exactly. Right. But the longer you wait, the less options you have at the tree farm and then you're coming home with a Charlie Brown tree. Nobody likes that. Yeah, I usually come back with something half decent, but the last couple of years has been like December 23rd. So we kind of feel embarrassed going on like the last ride out to the field there. <laughs> <laughs> and there's like nothing. There's available. nobody there and there's fuck all left. You're like, uh, I'll take this birch tree. <laughs> yeah, I managed to get some half decent ones still, but it's nice. the smell that really is where it's at with those things. Uh, listen, so. speaking of Christmas, um, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention our, our gear, okay? I don't even know what the website is anymore. It's like galantmedia.ca slash shop slash pucks in deep or something like that. The best way to find it, go to our Facebook page, Pucks in Deep Podcast. You can find it. It is right there in the description. The link to the swag. I see you have a nice Pucks in Deep hoodie on right now. Um, I've got lots of gear myself as well. We need a hat that just says Pucks in Deep straight up. Yeah, we need we need a hat. We're gonna have to, have to do a real, uh, some additions here. We'll work on that maybe for the new year's. Hats are plan. pricey, is the problem though. Unless we want to get them cheaply made no, with people like with no hats. with no color. People like hats. We could just get the the white logo like that. Just um, pucks and deep straight up. Just the words. The words, yeah. Our, cut uh, straight to the point. Our band, Sawmill Road. My band has some gear uh, on there as well. And same idea, like uh, if we want to do anything color, it's going to be more expensive. But luckily for us, like our logo, as you, I'm wearing a shirt right now, like the logo is just pretty straightforward, either white or, or black. And uh, speaking of which, you guys for our, have a couple shows coming up. Yeah, right? I was just going to say for our local Pucks in Deep listeners, uh, we're playing the basement of Finnegan's, which is its own thing, I guess. It's, it's called Legends. Yeah. So we're playing Legends live. Uh, I'll be there on, for that. On, are you going to come? I'll come for Sick, that. Sick, dude. I haven't done a Thursday, Thursday in a little while. It's going to be a so. good show. And they've got a great deal. they got a uh, picture of Farmer's Daughter for sixteen ninety nine. There you go. I local, thought that was a great, great local deal. pints. Yeah. And uh, and then buy one, get one on a pizza. So get a table, get a couple of pitchers, a couple of Zaws, and we're going to rock your face off. It'll be a great time. That is Thursday, December the 9th. And then two days later on Saturday, December the 11th, Sawmill Road will be playing live at Lasso. Lasso Live. Um, so the Thursday show is from 8 until midnight, and the Saturday show is from 10 o'clock until 2, which I think is crazy, but that's the way it is. And then, actually, dude, I wanted to brag about this because I'm pretty pumped. We booked Mavericks in Ottawa, January 14th, and it's a pretty like well-known music venue like it's not some dive bar like right we, we got booked at this place that has bands like all the time some are bigger than others some are not that great or not that big i'm sh- not i didn't mean not that great not that big i guess i should say but like fuck man we we've played three shows okay all private events we haven't even had a public show yet and 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 two of those shows we were just opening we we just did one we just did one set Two times. We've, we've only I wonder had- if they're horny for bands, too, because, like, yeah, how many bands survived the pandemic? How many of those guys went on and got real jobs? I guess. But, <laughs> but don't, don't you have to imagine, though, that most, most band members are, like, that's their hobby slash second, like, you know, just a nice side income Yeah, I wonder if thing? it's just, you know, people just didn't last, you know? Yeah, maybe. Just make it through. I don't know. But I'm really looking forward to getting up there, man. We got a lot of energy, uh... I'm actually going to end up playing a couple of tunes on the acoustic. The boys 
well, not not like acoustic tunes, but I'm going to be joining in the band. And the guys talked me into it. I told them from the get-go that I didn't want to do that. But they talked me into it. So I got about four or five tunes in a row that I'll do during our second set. But yeah, we got a big, big banger, a couple of bangers coming up. I'm happy to hear that you're going to be going, man. I know a bunch of people are going to be going. So should be uh, should be a good time. Hopefully we'll see some uh, Pucks and Deep fans uh, in the crowd as well. Very good. You want to talk some hockey? Yeah, let's get back to business. Yeah, uh, circle back to the centers. I did kind of want to run through some of the Canadian teams because they're super interesting right now. We've got Calgary, who's leading the division. Edmonton right on their heels. Calgary, maybe a little surprising, but I think they had an off year last year. Mark's from firing on all cylinders. Daryl Sutter seems to have you know, worked his way into that room and it's a rebound year impact. Yeah, for sure. Big rebound. I think that's what they wanted. So full credit goes to them, especially missing Giordano. I wouldn't have, sorry to cut you off there. I wouldn't have placed them where they are, but I Mm. also wasn't as low on them as a lot of people. I viewed them as a playoff team. I thought, I thought as well, especially in that weaker division, uh, especially with Vegas being a little, little slow out the gate and decimated by injuries right now. Um, but really, it's the opposite end of the spectrum, I think, where we're, we're seeing the most action. Um, Ottawa Centers, Montreal Canadiens, and the Vancouver Canucks among the worst teams in the NHL right now. Um, Ottawa, I'll take a pit stop there, our, our perennial punching bag. Uh, putting big, their big goalie, their big goalie signing from all of two years ago, Matt Murray on waivers, send him down to the AHL. Big deal. Uh, two more years after this year left at six and a quarter million. Um, the, the other interesting part was Ian Mendes did some reporting on it and I know he kind of, uh, conflated a few things and, and deleted some of his tweets and reposted it. But anyway, the overall message was, is that since, uh, Murray cleared waivers and went down to Belleville, he's not heard from GM Pierre Dorian and that seems to be in line with some of previous reporting that has said that there is a bit of a a communication disconnect I suppose from the front office to the uh to the players but how it, could that be like how, how are you going to send down a, they're sending, a veteran they're sending penis head Maguire probably to go go talk to him I guess so but I mean like I don't know man like I I know I know big time sense fans like you know, lifelong, like lifers, um, that they're, they're about fed up with it too. And it's like, didn't they just announce the rebuild's over? Yeah, there was how you, that. How are you supposed to announce a fucking rebuild's there was over when rebuilds you got a lineup That was like this that. summer, right? Yeah. Dorian said, Garbage. rebuild's order, over. And then they said the, uh, well, it was, it was Melnick saying a few years that uh, this was going to be the era of unparalleled success. Unparalleled success yeah. and a cap team. I understand that he's been outplayed by, by those things. So, like, let's put aside his performance this year. It was a bad signing out the gate. He had come off a career-worst season, um, you know, there was an argument to be made that his stats were buoyed by a strong team. Just putting and 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 it's hard to put the cups aside. But if no, Ottawa you can't was able, put the cups aside. if Murray Ottawa was, was huge for those cups, and if Ottawa was able to swoop in and grab this guy, doesn't it kind of make sense that like why 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 was it so easy for them to get him in the first place? I guess is the question. Yeah, that is, that's a fair question because I know a lot of people were were bearish on this guy when he was available. And for the reasons I just cited, you know, coming off a really bad year. So, I mean, he has effectively lost the starting job in Pittsburgh, although just a a year or two prior, they had picked him over Marc-Andre. Right. So, all that being said, bad contract, 
Is this them getting out of it? What's their plan? Are they hitting the reset button on him? And that's what Ian Mendez was kind of alluding to in that report where he's saying, what is the plan with him right now? Are they trying to, is this a conditioning stint? Like, and then putting him on waivers, obviously didn't mind losing him, but probably with the full understanding that nobody's picking up that contract either. No, of course not. And yeah, it's an interesting scenario, dude, because you have to wonder if like, have we, is it even fathomable that we've seen the last of Matt Murray in the NHL? I mean, you have to give the guy the benefit of the doubt here because he obviously went through a pretty difficult time with the passing of his father. Like Mm -hmm. he hasn't really been the same goaltender since that moment in time. Mm -hmm. You can't take away the cups because, you know, as I saw, I saw a bunch of like Pittsburgh Penguins fans chiming in just to say like, look at obviously Murray has, has fallen off, but, but let's, let's not forget what he did. Yeah. And it's not like he, he's earned the respect. I think that he has, but I, I think this is like Ottawa partially admitting the mistake, probably not quitting on him entirely, even though waivers appears to be that exactly that. Yeah. But I, I think that you, you can't, the only way to dig themselves out of this is to is to rebuild his confidence, find a way to make him make it work. I just find that it's I find it's absolutely ridiculous that this guy, a cup winner, a veteran in the league, gets waived and doesn't even get the courtesy. Gets a cold shoulder. Doesn't even get the courtesy yeah. of uh, I'd like to see you in my office. Well, what's at the 9 plan here? Because like you know, going into the season, he's the starting goalie. That's twenty games ago, right. right? So what's the plan? If he's your if he's your six and a half or six and a quarter million dollar guy, your starter on paper starter, I think you owe him a little bit more. I like agree. There's something to be said with the way you treat your players, and he feels like he's a scapegoat, right? Right. And i i have I would have a hard time arguing the guy on on that. No, because the team has not been good. This was supposed to be a progress here. There's supposed to be progress at, everywhere, except for Drake Batherson. I'm not much impressed with what I've seen from any of these guys. The team's so terrible, far, right? Like the, they're that, terrible. That defense is horrible. So like any goalie that that's the thing is if they need a goalie to stand on their head for them to make progress, then the rebuild ain't over. They're, they're in trouble. <laughs> like they're in trouble because you look at who they have and it, and and it's not a realistic expectation. So what they need to focus on is addressing the other issues, spending some of that cap space. Eugene, shake that guy down, because if they if they don't, <laughs> clearly what they've put together right now is not enough. That much we know for sure, and it's going to involve spending more money to make that happen. But when you keep having these issues, and the main headline of Murray getting set down is that the team's not been in touch with them and essentially aren't treating them right, it's really hard to attract free agents when when you're when this is what's making headlines. Yeah, oh, I I agree. I agree. I don't like it can't be a destination of desire for for a ton of free agents out there. Um before we move on and start shitting on the Montreal Canadiens, which I'm looking <laughs> forward to by the way. Um but before we move on and start doing that, I wanted to ask you if you had any knowledge or insight on the uh hashtag Ian Mendez thing. What was going on there? So what, I, what was that hashtag again? It was like Ian Mendez. Uh, that's a good question. I can't I don't remember even know what, what it the was. hashtag was. But uh, now this goes back a little further. So I know that Ian Mendez got his got his peepee whacked there by the 
<laughs> by the Sens back, what was it, a couple of years ago, where they, they he wrote an article they didn't like, and they told him he wasn't allowed on team flights, and he wasn't he wasn't allowed to travel with the team anymore. Okay, basically, and that uh, it took a little while, but I guess some of the, you know some of the fellow media people stuck up for him and and kind of s- sorted that whole thing out. Okay, so I my immediate th- thought was that th- this was like an extension of that that the organization and maybe some uh, media allies were taking runs at Ian Mendez and some of his reporting, um, and and I don't know like. I, that's a really hard guy to to rally the people to to hate. hate yes, right? yes. Like he's a very likable guy. TV, like his writing, anything. Yes. Like I enjoy his work. I I've always really liked Ian Mendez. And by the way, the hashtag was hashtags hashtag victims of Mendez. Yeah, that that's what it was. Which sounds is a little. Uh, it sounds a little harsh. Yeah. Right. It sounds a little. Harsh. Um. I I ended up getting on there like i i don't tend to want to you know pile on or just you know be be another statistic when when people get the pitchforks out or whatever but like for me i felt it i felt it necessary so i tweeted something out i said as a young aspiring broadcaster at ian mendez took the time to respond to an inquiry i sent him years ago about breaking into the industry he did not mince his words very detailed and very helpful and i said beat it Melnick and Bruce Garriak probably because <laughs> I don't know I'm pretty I, I, I like that I may have went a little overboard with that one but I'm pretty sure Bruce Garriak is like a yes man puppet article guy for Eugene Melnick it's kind of like a a semi-known thing in the in the Ottawa journalism world so I I, I really did enjoy the opportunity to be a part of the demographic that backed up and you know backed Ian Mendez up, like stood up for the guy. Cause that is true. What I said is very true. Like back when I was 17 or so 18, when I was first going out to school and, and, and hoping to maybe be someone like Ian Mendez, you know, I reached out to the guy and he fucking emailed me back like the next day, you know? So like he didn't big time me like a lot of other people could or would, or maybe did. So I, I felt it was necessary to, uh, to, to pat him on the back a little bit there. And I, I just thought it was strange. I didn't, I didn't know a whole lot about the victims of Mendez situation and, and what happened, but I was happy to uh, get on his side. Well, it's one of those things too, that takes on a life of its own. And it seems that people like turned it into like a positive thing, um, you know, to come out, kind of come out in support of the guy. So uh, something to do with like um, uh, him being bullied of sorts. I like, I don't, I don't even know. That's the thing is I can't even find where it uh, where it started, where it, where it originated. Like <laughs> some of the original, like quote unquote, allegations or whatever. Some people were pissed off at him, but it seems to be some kind of coordinated campaign to slander the guy, which kind of fell flat on its face. It's pretty hard to, and I mean, it just doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's got some skeletons or anything that uh, I agree. People got to go digging for. So. Yeah, I agree. And move then move on I mean, from that one. Yeah, and then you always well. <laughs> yeah, okay. Let's just move on. Um, so Montreal Canadiens. I mean, they're goddamn terrible. We all knew it. Okay, we all knew it. All right. I got a good but buddy this of bad? mine. Uh, yes, this bad. Like I got a buddy. Well, be... this bad because of the subtractions from the yes. lineup. Okay, Weber. Uh, you got Deno is gone. Uh, Petrie is still playing, but I don't like. Is he even playing? I don't know. He's yeah, a ghost Chirot, out there. Chirot looks like a ghost. Too and of out course, there. Price. Okay, so yes, this bad. Um, it's 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 magnified because of the 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 losses on in their lineup. But 
like I got a good good buddy of mine, big Habs fan. You know, French Frenchest guy you've ever met. Love the guy. Big big Habs fan. Okay, he he's been telling me for weeks. No, Coley, you're wrong. He says, you're wrong. The Habs are fine. You know, they're fine. It's just this early in the season. It's <laughs> like, yeah, at some point, it's not early yeah. anymore, bud. And, can- like, the other day, so he says to me, big game coming up here. He says, we're going to get out of this funk, and we're going to start, like, we're going to turn it up and go on a big heater. <laughs> go on a big heater. And I was <laughs> like, okay, bud. Like, oh, I can't wait to see that happen. So the next morning after the loss, the next morning, he texts me. He goes, I take back everything I said. Done. It's fucking over. Right. The team is terrible. So it's just the You're straw, right. right? The straw that broke his back there. <laughs> it's interesting because I, I, you know, I, I I thought right away like there can't be that bad, but then like you look so at the, the subtractions in the lineup, like you said, and clearly it's at the point in time where the organization as a whole is like, okay, um, we're really moving on from this. We're not running it back, and we're fully moving on from this. As in. You know, we won't even wait to the off season because I thought they were going to wait to the off season to let Bergman, you know, walk himself out of the. What door. you mean, one, this whole year? Yeah, yeah, and it just seems like they're in a position now where they're like, I think the rabid fan base and the media pressure probably caught up to them too, and because they probably didn't think it would be this bad, they could weather the storm for the season and then you know if, float around yeah, five hundred. Have your guys ready. Get price back. Yeah, well, you you make your hires in the spring. You let Bergman walk. It's a little less uh, dramatic, I guess. As well, this. I mean, because nobody wants to clean house in their front office in the middle of the season, bro. They were about to clean house after game four. <laughs> yeah, well, or game five, I guess, right? So basically, no, game four. So basically, that playoff run bought him twenty more games on the job in the regular season. I I, I guess so, but I mean, like like I said, they almost, were almost because you couldn't fire him after that run, eh? No, like but, it would appear nonsensical. But I remember talking about this at at the time. Okay, we, well, when the Leafs lost, we went a while without recording. But I'm sure if you play the tape back, I remember having this conversation. It was either on the record here on the Pucks and D podcast, or you know, with with friends and family or whatever. But like, I remember saying, "This is crazy. How can you go from like everyone is fucking fired." Because of how badly we lost to the Leafs, right? Like, they lose Tavares in game one. I don't think it was uh, just that, definitely. It can't, you can't isolate it just on that playoff series. What do you mean? Firing well, I mean, him? Well, like, the conversation didn't start about firing him in that series. It was already happening previous during the season. I know that, but what I'm saying is it was coming to a head. The season was over. They were about to get beat up by the Leafs, you know, in, 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 in five games. It had but, kind of built up to that. And, and then all of a sudden, they go from, they go from cleaning house fucking firing everybody to nominating the guy <laughs> for fucking GM of the year, which I remember I sat on pins and needles like I care who wins the award, but I actually cared. I remember thinking like, this can't happen. Like, th- th- this can't happen. This guy can't win. He can't win GM of the fucking year because the Montreal Canadiens went on a fucking COVID run. Okay? Because you can, the only thing I'll give them credit for and I mean this in all fairness because I feel like I'm a pretty fair person. The only thing I will really give them credit for is is the Vegas victory. And I know they swept the I know they swept the Jets and I know they came back against the Leafs. When I say give them credit, I mean like the entire organization, not just the players on the ice because if you ask me about the players on the ice, I'll give them full marks for everything. 
for everything because they had to do it, Lesko. They had to go on the ice and win those games. They had to come back against Toronto. They had to beat the Winnipeg Jets even though they didn't fucking show up. You know, like, so the, the players earned what they got. But the organization as a whole, it was smoke and lucky. mirrors. It was lucky. fucking smoke and mirrors. Yeah, they got lucky. That's they, all it is. And if like you're happy, Everything fan, went right last year. Yeah. Everything that could have went right went right, you know, aside from the regular season, which they kind of stumbled around a little bit. But a little I bit. guess they, being they, in that being that division allowed them playoffs allowed them to kind of erase the memory of of what carried them into the playoffs. They wouldn't have even have made the fucking playoffs if yeah. it was a regular year, you know. And and like j- just to just to com- compare and contrast, okay, all the anti Leaf people were like, "Well, yeah, fucking Leafs. Wait, wait until they have to play the American teams." Well, how's that going? How's that going for the Leafs playing the American teams? Going great. Doesn't really seem to be a big fucking deal, does yeah. it? Yeah, I know Edmonton and uh, Toronto near the tops of the league right now, and uh, Calgary's those, there, right? Like obviously three, the, uh, the Canadian division wasn't as fucking bad as everyone said. Yeah, uh, and then but then you got those three other teams that make it look <laughs> make it look way fucking worse. <laughs> right, so Montreal Canadiens hire Jeff Gorton as their VP of Hawk, Hockey Operations. Uh, understanding is that he is going to be kind of the architect of the future of the team. Um, a, a pretty solid choice, I'd say, given his work in uh, New York's organization. I agree. Uh, you know, not just in the building of the team back up, but in the teardown, because they managed to reap a lot of drop picks, a lot of assets when they burned that team to the ground initially, and managed to turn around in a pretty short order. Um, and it kind of culminating, you could say, with uh, managing to sign an Artemi Pernarin and drafting uh, Shesterkin as well. Yes. So uh, that's a great choice. But the interesting thing about this, and the one that's probably going to grab the most attention over in Quebec just across the border here is uh, the search for a French speaking general manager. Right. Because the understanding here is that they, at least if they're going to have a English guy as the VP of hockey ops, kind of pulling all the strings that they're going to at least need the front facing um, member of the management staff to be a bilingual uh, French language. First, I would assume individual preferably yeah. i think i, I don't know if that's a prerequisite uh, though like it, it it should be your preference but you can't you can't just shut out i think a large i think that's percentage. where they are i think that's undoubtedly i think if they if they didn't go this route of jeff gordon they might have been like i've struggled with it i've been like wow this guy's the best guy out there and he's you know he doesn't really speak french yeah they might have they might have attempted but saved themselves all that hassle you put the guy who's really in charge just above the GM yeah, and you get your French guy in there who's capable, but maybe someone who's going to have to do a lot of on the job learning and won't have that uh, far reaching power that we might see with other GMs in the league. But why tell me, bro, like, why is that a thing? I know, I know like French culture, right? I, 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 I cu- get it's a cultural things and they're a French team. Like they want, and if they don't, they'll get eviscerated for it. Why invite the the bad PR? They're already going through hell, right? Like, why invite the bad PR? Well, they, me, they're like, finding a way to work within these conditions, and I think it's admirable. Like, I really think that Montreal is, and and maybe because of their unique position of having to satisfy this French language requirement, um, has made them rethink how the management structure or an organization is going to operate. Yeah, okay. You know, at the end of the day, man, like, 
I'm not a spiteful person by nature. And for the majority of my life, like I'd say, you know, around the 2000 to 2005 area when we played Ottawa all the time in the playoffs, I did find myself uh, getting some, you know, some, some, some hatred for lack of a better word for the team and, and, and in, enjoying when I would see the box scores and Ottawa lost to St. Louis. And I'd be like, yes, like cheering I, against, I Ottawa. don't care that, about that anymore. Like I'm a fully grown ass man. I don't fucking care. And I'm not saying that it's bad or other people should live their lives like I do. Like I, I I'm okay with people hating the Leafs and, and hating the Habs and, well, and part of being and, a and fan, want, right? You're cheering against rivals while you're cheering for your team. I right? guess so, but at the end of the day, it, it, it's never really bothered me as much as it bothers some people. Like, like we've had this conversation before. Let's go. Some people truly hate the Leafs more than they like their own team. That's a fact. Okay, spend more like time time on it. It seems. Yeah, eh? like they won't even watch the Sens game. They'll watch the Leaf game over the Sens game and just hope and pray the fucking Pittsburgh beats the Leafs or whatever. You know, yeah, so, but what they're not telling you is they're watching it because it's good hockey. It is good hockey, but <laughs> but but my thing right now is like I, I started it off by saying like I'm I'm not a spiteful person and I don't tend to like cheer against other teams or whatever. But I just can't help myself. I can't help myself. I am so happy that Montreal sucks balls. I'm so happy. Like fuck Montreal. <laughs> I hate those bastards. Like I I am so happy that they suck because I knew they sucked and they sucked and they fucking. Beat us does it make, still. Does this make it better or worse? Because in the moment right now, it makes us feel better. But I remember Collectively, back when, it's we, worse. when the Leafs lost to Montreal, we're like, well, this is embarrassing for XX and X reasons, same reasons why they're shit now. It's worse. You know, it's just, it's just not, it's not working for them, right? No, it's, it, collectively, like, it's, it's worse. Like, it's basically, like, impl- imploded. You know, it's not as if like, oh, they made some bad offseason moves and, you know, things didn't go their way and they lost a trade or somebody yeah. walked like right. it really just imploded. You know, I, the cards, right? I, my initial gut reaction was to say that it's worse. But now that I've thought about it for 10 seconds, it might not be worse because we lost to the Montreal Canadiens who had Carey Price doing his mm. thing. Like Price was doing his thing. Like I know everyone likes to harp on how Matthews and Marner and everyone else disappeared in the playoffs. Taveras obviously wasn't involved past the first half mm-hmm. of game one. But, like, we lost to the team that had their full lineup in. They had their shutdown center in Philip Deneau. They had their all-star goaltender, you know, legend in the making, basically, in, in, in Carey Price. And, and now they don't. So, mm-hmm. like, it is it, – it, it, maybe it's not worse because we lost to them in a playoff atmosphere – hot goalie, Mm -hmm. our boys didn't play great, that's fine. But I don't necessarily think it's worse. I just think it's like, for me, it's it's basically confirmation that, you know, going into this season, I was telling anyone that would listen that the Habs weren't going to make the playoffs. Right. Like, I, I don't think I was... I left. don't think that was a hot take at the time. No, either. I don't but think you tell, so. Tell, tell, tell Montreal fan that, and, and, and odds are they wouldn't be too happy with you. No. So I, where, where do we stand on the... I guess the legacy, quote unquote, of Mark Bergevin, because they won a lot of playoff games in the last ten years. There was a lot of debate over a lot of the trades and moves that he made or lack thereof. Um, you know, maybe not never truly finding good centers, uh, never putting that team over the top, despite having a team that could scrap out a, a series win or two. I like what he did personally. He, I, I, I think I'll he give was him the balls aspect of it. Right, I was just gonna say that massive balls. I think he, swinging for the fences yeah, all the time. I think he had what it took 
to try and deliver. Like he never he was looking for lightning in a bottle. Yeah, he, he never wasn't like I'm just going to incrementally. Yeah, we'll be good in five to six to eight depth years. here, depth there. And even when they had that down few years, like I, I do admire the fact that he was able to kind of bring them back where they were at least, and, and that means like a you know a playoff team that could win a round or two. Here's what I like most about Mark Bergevin, and it has nothing to do with his ability to manage the team be the general manager of the team, make the decisions, make the trades, make the signings. What I what I will remember most fondly about Mark Bergevin and his time in Montreal, and I think a lot of Habs fans will probably echo this sentiment, his passion for the team. Right. I think and it was, the players. I think too. it was unmatched. Well, yeah, that's what you I mean. You see like his the enthusiasm. Yeah. He's hugging down, players. hugging the guys yeah. after the game. Yeah. He's down the hallways. He's going down the room. I, I, I will say that he seemed like... And and then the guy played lots many years in the NHL, so like he he understood that side of it. Not that far removed. No, that's right. So yeah, I think that's something that that the players maybe some underrated, even that the fans don't recognize or they might not, not even care about right it. away. You might but not it's even stuff care. that probably went a long way in that in that dressing room in that dressing room over the years. I sure. agree. Yeah, and 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 you're exactly right. And I can picture in my mind. I, I think it was when I think it was Game Seven. When they beat Toronto, mm-hmm. he fucking ran down. Oh yeah, and he was hugging everybody like they won the cup. And I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not saying, oh, you fucking won the cup. I'm just saying, but like, it was, it, it was huge. It was, it was huge. Massive. Oh my Absolutely. god, it was so huge for them. We already and knew, especially like we already the, knew we were gonna lose. The whole story of Price coming <laughs> back to having not playing for for however long it was a couple of months and so being amazing. It was, uh, you know, the level of support I think, and uh, you know, maybe. Pierre Dorian could take a take a page out of Mark Bergevin's book. And, well, I, let's be honest. In terms here. of how to treat your players, because that agree. shit goes a long way. I agree. And people, you could go ahead and say it's because they're fucking soft and they're pussies, and you know that's just the way players are these days. But that the going the extra mile thing, being a good person, doesn't cost you anything, but it can go a long way, especially in a team environment. Yeah, I agree. I, I just, I really think that you know, before we before we move on to our next topic of conversation here, I just, I, I hope that. I hope that that's what a lot of Habs fans will feel for for Mark Bergevin because I know, like, I know every GM. Let's go! They're cheering for the team. Obviously, yeah, they're the GM. Like, you know, they they show them on the camera up in the up in the broadcast booth or you know whatever up in their booth, and you're always seeing them like cheering or like throw. Who was the was it Dorian that threw the water? Yeah, yeah <laughs> you gotta fucking not, like you know they they have passion, yeah. but I don't think very many general managers out there shared the same level of of passion yeah. that Mark Bergevin shared. Being a French Canadian, like having his imprint on the team, yeah. I don't know where else where I, else he could there's go. A, there's a that's a massive. I think what we're describing here is a massive leadership component to it. And like you think, of course, GM better have leadership skills, but there's a difference between leadership in the front office. And leadership with the guys on the ice and the room and the the training staff, the coaches, you know, like I, I think if you can transcend those two things, that's really critical because you're in such a weird place, right? Like you're up in the press box, you're you're in the corporate office, you're not down on the ice, no, you're, you're not removed. down the room, you're not yeah. you're on the road probably, you know, sometimes like it's just it's it's totally different. So I think guys that can bridge that gap, like you can have Mr. Smart businessman, you know, knows how to how to read a balance sheet and, and Crunch sign numbers, contracts yeah. and do all that shit. But if you can't relate to the guys on the ice who are doing it for you every night, I, I think 
I think that's a bit of a disconnect and and that's you know where the coach might come in to bridge that gap but I think it's it's definitely beneficial to have a guy like that who can do it all well you see and you know as as big Leaf fans you know we can often reference or contrast our our team to other teams right and we're we got our finger on the pulse of of our favorite team in the Toronto Maple Leafs and I think like Dubas is a, a decent example of, of everything that you just laid out he's not necessarily like you know ripping the shirt off running down with the long hair flowing and fucking like cheering and drinking a beer with the boys so or anything polished. but yeah but he but he does have that innate ability to create relationships. Yeah, and connect with the players. Professionally and otherwise, you know, mm-hmm. like he's a younger guy, so they can probably see yeah. a, a little bit more eye to eye with him. And, and I think about like the all or nothing uh, documentary on the Leafs. There was a lot of behind the scenes with Dubas, like talking to players and and then talking to other management and coaching staff about the players. And there were two different people. There was the person that was talking to the player, and then there was the person that was doing the managing of, of the team, like the brass part of it. And those were two different things. And if you can remove yourself from one or the other, I think that's a very positive aspect for a general manager. And, uh, I mean, obviously there hasn't been much success for, for Dubas to rest his laurels on or anything, but I, I do appreciate what he does, uh, what Dubas does for the team. And I, I just, for the love of God, man, the, the guys need to reward this guy. He's not bad. Like everyone loves to easily point out how bad the Leafs have been and how they've failed to, you know, get it done when it matters most. And of course, a lot of that falls back on Dubas. Dubas is always saying things like, well, it's my fault too. And it's like, you know what, Kyle, I appreciate your point that you got to stick your neck on the line and, and, and take responsibility for this, but fuck you. It's not like, you know what I mean? Like you have good players out there, man. They're not doing it. Just like, throwing himself in the bus so much, he's got multiple sets of tire tracks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. But it's yeah. not fair. I remember saying that to people that, like Kirsty, for example, who doesn't even really know anything about hockey. She's learning from me firsthand, and like she, she agrees. She's like, this, you know, Kyle seems to be a great guy, and he seems to really know what he's doing. He puts together a really great team, and then all of a sudden, when they have to fucking do it, they can't do it. Yeah. Why is that his fault? Yeah. You know? Yeah, there's only so much these guys can wear, and um, you know, a lot of times the appetite of the fans can dictate often where the the perception lies, especially uh, early after a guy gets let go or says his contract doesn't get renewed. Right. Um, I know we haven't really seen much action. I want to move over to the West Coast there quickly. Vancouver Canucks uh, to round out the basement Ugh. of Canada. Uh, and the league. <laughs> now, here's a team that did kind of make some bold moves, swung for the fences a little bit. I would say made some positive changes. They unloaded some bad contracts, brought in some half-decent players. But we're in a situation here right now where nothing is going right for this team. We got reports of guys not getting along. Uh, potentially, you know, people are, sharks are circling around the Canucks looking at Bo Horvat, uh, probably some other guys I would imagine as well. Um, but we've, I mean, it's so hard to talk about the Canucks because I think anyone, any like impartial observer who weighs in on the Canucks can probably agree that Jim Benning should have been fired five seasons ago. And without that, there, how much real change can you expect from that team? And then if I'm a fan of them, I'm done with any talk whatsoever of, of anything. Of anything, I mean, there's well, you got to do something. There's been no progress, <laughs> and there's essentially been no progress since the since the uh, the tail end of the Sedin era, which 
which ended before they retired. Oh, dude, you know they've been. This team has been spinning their tires for longer than the Leafs did. It's it's really bad, and like it's not for lack of good pieces. But I will say something about the development of those pieces because I believe when Elias Patterson showed up in the scene, people were talking about him like a top ten player in the league, and he's been a ghost for two and a half years right now. And that's yeah. not right. With a guy with that elite of a skill set, that's not right. So I think there's a lot more going on besides just signings and trades for this team. And that takes a lot to fix. And that's going to be some clean house. But until it start, it's got to start with Jim Benning. He's got to wear it. and But it definitely goes deeper than him. I, I absolutely love that you said the fans aren't interested in anything. <laughs> <laughs> I think well, you're, not the oh, team. I think you're right. No though. lines, like no more fucking press conferences is going to satisfy anybody. Like, no. oh yeah, we know we suck, but uh, <laughs> we expect better. And uh, you know, uh, well, we had our seventh closed door meeting. Like that's going to be the, the worst month. presser when the team is losing and they're like, hey, we got to say something because people want people fired, but we're not going to fire anybody. So you need to go like calm, calm the masses here. This has got to be the shittiest position to be in. Cause like you're basically given like uh, those those player scripted kind of answers that are saying a lot about nothing, right? Yeah, I mean I'm just on their cap friendly page right now, and like, jeez, man, that back end, yikes, it's ugly, eh? Yikes, bro. Yeah. Like, okay, you got Quinn Hughes, fantastic player. Okay, yeah. we all know that Quinn Hughes is a great player. Uh, maybe he's not getting it done as great as you would hope uh, in this season. But come on, the fucking season is not going very well yeah. for anyone. Um, but outside of Quinn Hughes, where are we going from here? Yeah. So I, I, I'm going to point to OEL, okay? Great player. Love the player, right? Contract, eh, not so yeah. much. I think he signed it when he was one of the best defensemen in the league. Right. But the reason I don't like it is because that they shouldn't – they shouldn't have been going that direction. They're tr- they were trying to retool on the fly here. No, they needed to go younger. For example, like and they, I- they and they were young, right? But then they started throwing out contracts to Jay Beagles and fucking yeah. and, and and acquiring uh, Louis Erickson and shit like that. Right? Like, they're right. gonna pay the price for those moves. Tyler Myers. They're gonna pay the price for those moves for years to come. You're right. You're right. And 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 honestly, like. He, here's a good example. Okay, you look at Cap Friendly. Such a great resource. Cap Friendly is. You look at Cap Friendly. And it gives you the cap percentage for each player. Okay. All right? And starting at the top, these these are going to make sense to you. I don't know if you're pulling it up right now, but these are going to yep. make sense to you, okay? So starting at the top, 9.6% of the Vancouver Canucks salary cap is dedicated to Quinn Hughes. And you're like, okay, with Okay. That, right? And he's got a great long deal through 20. And he, he's only through, making 7.8. Right. Because right now the market for those D-men are, is 8 to uh, 9. Right? right? Yes, exactly. And young. So, like, he's going to get underpaid pretty quickly. And he's he, he signed through 2027. Okay? So that's a big deal. 9.6%. Let's remember that number. 9.6% of the cap is Quinn Hughes. The second member in order is Elias, Elias Pedersen. 9% of the cap at age 23. Quinn Hughes is 22, one year younger. So let's pretend that Pedersen's not having the worst year or the you know bad couple of years. If he was the same guy as before, they wouldn't be as bad. I, th- I still think they'd be pretty bad. He'd mm-hmm. be good. He'd be good, but they'd be bad. But like at, at, at 9%, 
okay, you're still kind of okay with that. You got Hughes and Pedersen. Those are your those are your two cornerstones. Mm-hmm. After that, where do we go? Yeah. I think they've just been trying to for too long to take shortcuts here. That's got, that's really what it boils down to. Ekman Larson is the like, <coughs> that's the reason why I brought up this cap percentage thing. Let's go is because yeah. age twenty two Quinn Hughes nine point six percent. Age twenty three Elias Pedersen nine percent. Age thirty mm-hmm. Oliver Ekman Larson eight point nine percent of the cap. And he is, signed through twenty twenty seven until he's until thir- he's thirty six. It's only a matter of time till they buy that guy out. Um, I mean, you hope you don't have to, but. All signs. It's one of those deals. The day it got signed, they're like, "Well, nobody's going to like the back half of that." But that's not why you signed them, right? No. And then, then, then but the they're next- there. They're getting that, and that's why it was like, it was it was smart for Arizona to get out, fully knowing that they're going full tanking because they suck ass. Yeah, I agree. And then you got Tyler Myers. They're the only team that's more dog shit than the three Canadian teams that we just <laughs> talked about. Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But like Oliver Ekman Larson is. The next one, and I'm not going to go any further than this, but it, 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 it it's – or sorry, excuse me. I just said Oliver Ekman last time. Tyler Myers is what I meant to say. Mm-hmm. Tyler Myers is the next one – after Oliver Ekman Larson at seven point four percent of the cap, yeah. he's thirty one. Six six million too, and and at the time too, a bit of an overpayment, but it was almost like they had to pay him a little extra to get him to come there, and also pay him a little extra. They had to pay him as a first line defender, even though on most teams I don't think he is a first line defender. It but on that team, he sense. probably is. So it's it's confusing, and it, honestly, it's not as bad as it looked, I'd say, last year because they managed to unload a bunch of those bunk-ass contracts they had and acquire some good people in the process. Hey, you know what's good for the Canucks, though? The uh, just over $3 million of the Roberto Luongo recapture penalty comes off this hey, year. Hey, that'll be huge for them. And you know what? We'll sum up the Canucks conversation by this. Of all the three teams we just talked about, they are definitely the team that I believe is more than the sum of their parts. Like they're, they are capable of playing better than what we've seen so far. But they're, in the same breath, there are deep underlying issues with I think how that organization has been run, and we're seeing the uh, results of that, the consequences of that. Right. Okay. Cool. You're right. Um, rapid fire. Mm. Okay, rapid fire because I want to get to Leafs. Sure. And uh, my food just got delivered, so I'd like to eat that as well. Um, so rapid fire here. First of all, first of all, Dan Kelly is an NHL linesman? Yeah. So, what, is, so, what is going on here? So I knew he was a liney in the uh, AHL. I had heard this a couple of years ago. Uh, but Dan Kelly actually lined the Leafs game the other day. I think it was Leafs and Rangers, or Leafs and Islanders, something like that. Uh, but yeah, so for those of you who don't know, Dan Kelly was a uh, Lumber Kings defenseman back when Keith, Sheldon Keefe coached the team here. Well, very um, early. Uh, yeah, he was a former captain in the Kitchener Rangers. And he also played several years for Albany in the HL. I can't recall, actually. I had to pull up if he was drafted by New Jersey or not. But he played several years there. And um, most notably, I guess, towards the end of his career, uh, he was suspended 10 games because he elbowed Andres Janssen in the head uh, and got suspended and uh, I think missed the entire playoffs because of that hit. Oh, wow, really? Uh, retired okay. shortly after. So the following season, he retired in 17-18. Um, went to high school with that guy. He was yeah. I think, in some of my classes, yeah, if, yeah, if yeah. I recall correctly. But uh, it's just interesting 
to see the the career path, I guess. And he was one of those guys that I used to follow and watch because he was pretty. I think I think he was only with the Kings for a couple of years because he got drafted in the O uh, as a 16 year old, and I think he started playing for the team when he was 15. But right, interesting to see the the new life as a NHL linesman, and uh, probably probably not a, a terrible path if you're if you're walking out of the game. And still wanting to be right there in the action, eh? Yeah, yeah. So he, yeah. So he, 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 and Sheldon Keefe overlapped for one year, right? And and it, and it was, <laughs> it was the year that the Kings went fifty-seven, one and one. Can't argue with that. Like five zero seven, not <laughs> not fifty-seven, fifty-seven one and one in the oh uh, five oh six season. So yeah, that was uh, the early years uh, of Sheldon Keefe's. Of Sheldon Keefe's coaching career, brother that, was a good little cool. scorer too, uh, I believe, and uh, went on to play some college puck down the states. So. That's pretty cool. And you even have here in the prep that he did the Leafs game the other day. Is that yeah. is that why you noticed that? Well, that's why I saw I because I, I follow some. Uh, it's like scouting the refs on Twitter, and they tell you who's doing what game, and sometimes they'll tell you like what's the win percentage of who uh, this ref under this team. And anyway, they had mentioned that uh, Dan Kelly was doing the game, and name caught me on my cool. eye, so I looked up, made sure it was the same guy. And cool. turns out it is. All right, next rapid fire, uh, Penguins. Mario. Yeah, Mario making bank. Making bank, but still holding some controlling still interest. Still holding some interest. I, I don't right? like controlling interest, but no? he still has an ownership stake. I, I tried to research this. I wasn't able to, actually able to pin down a percentage of what he owns after the deal, but this is the story. So the Penguins sold, were sold to Fenway Sports Group. Uh, they own the Red Sox, among other sports franchises, so not a bad organization, I think, uh, to take on your team if you're a Penguins fan. Right. Uh, but the most interesting part is, is putting in perspective Mario's investment. So Mario uh, got a stake in the team back in 1999 where he they, they estimate his stake was 40% of the team. I think that Ron Burkle guy owned 25%. So he, he was owed $26 million in deferred salary and he turned that into an equity interest in the team at the time was worth $20 million. Which was such they a smart move. It. Oh my God. So smart. So, so smart. Like, okay, and, but, give me my money but, or no, just give me. If you remember at the time, the, the temp Penguins were in like dire straits. Yeah, they were about Especially to move. Especially after he picked up the team. Like Sid, Sid saved the franchise essentially because well, they were in such, and they built that new arena. Yeah, too. well, that Mario saved it, it twice. Yeah. Mario saved it when they drafted him. Yeah. And then he saved it after when he, came he back, retired. When he when he came back, and then saved it probably by investing. That's them. what. I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And then yeah. Sid saved them. And yeah. then Sid saved. Them. <laughs> they yeah. always have like some superstar come into the picture and save the franchise. Yeah. So so basically, what happened here is that he he also invested five million of his own cash, and then annually he draws a salary of seven hundred twenty thousand uh, a year as chairman, president, and CEO. So. The purchase price that Fenway paid for their stake in the Penguins, the majority stake, uh, was $800 million, I believe. Okay. Um, wow. So that investment probably paid off quite handsomely. I think so. Do you cut Sid a check? What, like as a bonus? Yeah. Like, if it weren't for him, and I guess, well, if it weren't for a lottery ball, <laughs> yeah, or whatever it was, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean... There's no way, there's no way they're worth anywhere near that because there's no Sid, there's no cups, no, there's no, there's no team. You know, like team's gone. That is, that's an interesting one. If I'm Mario, I might, and I'm sure he's done lots for Sid over the years. I mean, they fucking lived together back in the day, but yeah, 
I don't know. You might owe might owe him a, a night out. I don't know something. Well, that's interesting, man. I, I'm I'm really interested to see you know what what kind of material changes, if any, we we might see as a result. I, I know obviously these things oftentimes let's go like. You wouldn't even know, like if it wasn't in the news, you wouldn't even know yeah, that yeah, ownership had changed. Very behind the scenes, and and I I am to assume as well that Mario will continue to hold his titles within the team because why would they change that? I mean, he's been doing it for twenty years, and well, he's successful. in the rafters. Like he's the yeah. he's the. I, you know what? I was just about to say he's like the most beloved. Uh, member of the Pittsburgh Penguins of all time. Of do you think? Do you think? when the dust settles in like, let's say, let's say years from now, like Mario's dead. Like it's like, he's, he's gone. Sid is 87 years old. <laughs> like, do you think it will still be Mario Lemieux or will Sid surplant Mario as the guy? I think so simply because he won. If we're talking about on ice accomplishments, three cups, um, what he brought to the team and the fact that he brought the team back from dead, but Mario deserves credit in that too. So Mario will, will remain as a, like he, he's a guy you could see being elected to the hockey hall of fame as a builder as well, as well. Yeah. Right? yeah so yeah, like, yeah. I think Mario's legacy is now larger than just what he did on the ice, which is tear shit up. Right. And brought them a cup. And, but, and, and that's unfair to Sid today. Cause we don't know what he's going to do in his thirties or in his forties right. and fifties. But I think it's fair to say that like, that his impact on the on the Penguins already is is you know you could argue make an argument Hall of Fame worthy, you know that that he has brought that that organization back to from the dead and so much notoriety. It's been well run. I mean you can't argue. There's nothing to argue about about what the Penguins have done the last twenty years, right? It's just an it's an interesting thought. Like I I'd like to talk to some diehard Pittsburgh fans, like some some people like from Pittsburgh, season tickets, you know, and they they stuck with the team through the the eighties yeah. and before Mario. How well are you? Do you got to be like, hmm, who meant more to the team, Mario or Sid? <laughs> Mario Lemieux or Sidney two, Crosby? Two of the top, like, and indisputable. <laughs> two, what fan base has of all two time top ten players of all time? Of to draw all from, time, right? And Edmonton, and throw throw a third in there. You can throw a third in there. Yarmy Yager. Oh, Yager for top sure. Ten player. I guess Edmonton would be the only other team. Well, Wayne, where you've got Wayne, Connor, Ness, um, and, like, and I guess Connor, who probably is is knocking on the door of that statistically already. Probably. Well, they're very comparable, right? Because in in these in in this comparison, Mario is Wayne, Sydney. Is Connor right? And 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 Yager is Mess. Okay, it's kind of it's very uh, relatable between the two franchises in terms of you know where they've gone throughout the decades mm-hmm. and throughout the eras. And I I you know what I'm gonna follow that for for I guess for the next several decades because I think it'll be interesting to see when everything is said and done. Like when you and I are old fucks. And we're sitting here, we're like, remember back in the episode day? Episode 769. Uh, episode 91 of the Parks and D podcast when we said Mario was the best player. Like, uh, it'll be an interesting topic at that yeah. point in time, way down the road. So we'll put a pin on it. Someone remind us. Um, continuing on with the rapid fire. Uh, Ducks. Bob, Bob Murray. Ducks, yeah. Ducks. We'll go Bob Murray. Yikes. A uh, whole bunch of yikes there. Probably a bunch of yikes to come. Uh, yes. So he went to rehab after a bunch of allegations of misconduct. For those who aren't aware, uh, quiet resignation. Actually, it was kind of interesting that he basically went like, 
yeah, I ain't going to fight with this. I ain't going to meet with the NHL. I ain't going to fucking go through the yeah. shit storm that I just seen Chicago go through or any of that shit. He said, I'm going to rehab and I'm out of here. And then I saw a picture of the guy and I went, that guy drinks. Oh, yeah. You know when you see the face, like the puffy oh, you red can tell. face of a oh, guy who likes to have his whiskeys every you can day or tell. whatever? This yeah. guy, and like that was the, the story, is that this guy is apparently just a long-time boo sound, um, very well-respected in the game. You know, I'm not going to fucking throw him through the mud or anything, but apparently a complete ass to work for mm-hmm. and uh, not a positive work environment. And interestingly enough is that the people who came forward with stories did it after the Blackhawks debacle and they were inspired to, to speak up saying like, there's some shit going on here that ain't right. Now Which we don't great. have any information on what happened or anything. Specifics, yeah. We're not going to speculate. Um, good for him for, for basically, I guess, eventually admitting he had an issue and that something you need to be addressed. Um, you know, put the organization before yourself, but got to be pretty devastating. I mean, he was there for what, 20 years, 13, sorry, 13 years. Um, but you got to imagine there's a pile of skeletons there. So probably his best interest to get out of there fast and probably another guy. We're not going to see him again. I agree. Uh, it's a fall from grace, which is, you know, I, I don't want to say it's unfortunate because without knowing the specifics, you know, maybe, Maybe we shouldn't be sitting here sympathizing with with Mr. No, Murray. I'm not going to eulogize the guy. We don't know. No. We don't know if he's a piece of shit. Um, odds are, it sounds like there's a strong possibility that he could be. Right. So I will just give him a pat on the back and tell him to go on his way for, for I guess, going out the right way. Instead of kicking and screaming that when take your lumps. it became apparent take to take lumps. his lumps, he yeah. took them and he got out the door. And, and let's be honest here. It, it's very, it is very different. Okay. It's, it's difficult to compare or reference the Kyle beach situation. Like, yes. Okay. The Kyle beach situation gave some people who had, that's been, the who, positive who, in the who story. had been wronged. People who had been wronged were given the, the confidence to step forward. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's a positive. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, they're two extremely different scenarios. Okay. Um, Brad Aldrich didn't have a, an, a like a, like a, a condition and an addiction to sexually assaulting minors. You yeah. know what I mean? Like Bob Murray. Okay. If, if it's, if it's alcoholism, like we, we know that people fight with that every day. And that doesn't excuse you from doing bad things or being a bad person, but it is it is definitely different. Is, is that's all I'm saying? Like it, yeah. it's a different situation, and I don't know about you, but I I'd, I'd wish him all the best. You know, wish him all the best. Hopefully, what he what he did or, or his past transgressions with any sort of employees or coworkers, hopefully it wasn't too 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 serious or or too severe or life altering for for those people, um, but. I still, I still want people to get better. I yeah. want them to get better. It's definitely a wait and see story, and, and you know, I hope we get some answers at some point, and I'm sure we'll talk about it once it comes across. I just really again. hope that it doesn't blow up like we saw with the absolutely because we have the, the last Blackhawks. thing we need to know is that this guy fucked up so bad that other people's lives got ruined. Because I think that's what no one wants to see, and so that's why I think it's just kind of a wait and see scenario, right? You know, because we really have no idea on the extent of it. Cool. Uh, I want to stick around the ducks just to shout out our boy, Mason McTavish. Nice. Uh, right. uh, before he hit the nine game threshold where you burn one year on your entry level contract, he was sent back to Peterborough of the OHL. Uh, he had two goals, three points, eight, in eight games played with the Ducks. Uh, he had a goal and two points in three games with the San Diego Gulls of the AHL. Um, interesting move. 
great for Peterborough Pete's fans. Uh, they're stoked to have them back and certainly makes that team, uh, I'm sure, a force in the OHL. Uh, but right now, the Ducks, bit of an interesting story. Now, I don't know if the Leafs beat the wheels off them and there was a bit of a hype train. They've come back down to earth a little bit. But I think what you got to be excited about is two things right now if you're a Ducks fan. One is Ryan Getzloff, where people were already kind of writing his obituary. This guy is fired up and producing at a crazy rate. I think lost to check one goal, 20 assists. The return <laughs> to glory. And the two young rookies who are absolutely tearing it up, Troy Terry and Trevor Zegras of the Anaheim Ducks. Now, you were a year premature on Troy Terry because I recall you on one episode of the Pucks and Deep podcast projecting him as your sleeper breakout underdog rookie of the year type guy. And I think he ended up getting sent down after a handful of games. But here he comes this season, and they're give, both given an opportunity, him and Zegers, to play in the top six of the Ducks. And we have Troy Terry uh, running, running away with a crazy point streak to start the season. 16 games? 16 games. I, you know what was funny about that point streak was like he was at 16 games and Connor McDavid was at 18 games and no one cared. Like, yeah. like nobody cared about McDavid. It was so funny. Like when they announced it well, on the it radio. Well, because it was unsurprising that McDavid was doing that, right? It's expected. Right. But this other guy, this young American, and Troy Terry, keep in mind, this guy's a fifth round draft pick. This guy wasn't a first rounder. No. I'll come in. He made a name for himself, I believe, in the uh, in the World Juniors, right? When people yes. were really on the radar, he yeah. sniped a bunch of uh, shootout goals, and then uh, I think he kept going five hole there. Right? Yeah, 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 five hole Terry there. Well, he also made a name for himself two years ago, right here on the Pucks and D podcast, when yours truly pimped him hard in fantasy and he let me down he let you down so you're, and then, you're premature and then my, it's, it's so funny that you just said that so my buddy who a big fan of the pucks and deep podcast fantasy player as well shout out to pipes how you doing bud he shoots me a message and he says so you were a little early yeah on your troy terry uh pimp job yeah. but he said good for you because but how many you, people you drafted him this season going into the season <laughs> no I, don't, zero. I, I know i didn't you know, like i would so. love to see what the uh the free agent pickup? Yeah, if you can yeah. look at the charts, like the ownership chart, like 2% owned going in the first game of the season, then Boom. like 100% yeah, owned 78 within two weeks. 78% owned, yeah, exactly, yeah. In, in one week. Pretty um, awesome. Cool, Good for him. Cool little side story on, on Trevor Zegers that I keep seeing come up with multiple different situations is that apparently he's been betting people off face-offs. He's been uh, – Ryan O'Reilly's one of them. Uh, apparently he got chirped by a guy for asking for, for a bet with – I can't recall who it was exactly – Basically, they told him to go home, rookie biatch sort of thing. But he's been trying to bet other players on draws, saying like 100 bucks this draw, like going up to the faceoff. What? Yeah. Dude, that can't be legal. I don't know. but That can't be appar allowed. Apparently, that's been happening. Really? Where yeah. Where did you hear this? I don't know. Let me, let me pull up some sources here while you talk to the people. Okay, but. well, listen. Actually, while you're pulling up that source, I would like to make an announcement that um, – so two two separate announcements, both related to the Leafs, and we will get right back to the Zegras uh, bet job right now. But I just want to bring this to your attention and the listeners' attention, even though it's already happened. But maybe it'll make us sound even smarter right. afterwards. The last time we had our episode and we called it, we're going streaking because the Leafs were like, you know, they'd won like six in a row or something. They lost that night. I was very tentative to record this podcast tonight because – they're on a heater again. Yeah. And what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Jinx them? Okay. Well, I look down well, on my fucking I look down on my fucking phone and what do I see, Lesko? Darcy Kemper will not dress tonight. 
Jonas Johansson will get the start, and Justus Anunen has been recalled from the Colorado Eagles and will join the team as backup. Is that an AHL team? I the, hope so. The Avs will have an emergency goalie Ooh. serve as this guy's the backup. An e-bug? Who are the Colorado Eagles? Let's, I don't know. Check that. I'm so checking. we have an e-bug situation going on, and the first tweet underneath says, "Better not be David Ayers." <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. So I thought that was pretty fucking funny, Colorado man. Eagles. Okay, it's an AHL team. I thought that was pretty funny. So, yeah, those two things are, are interesting to note. So it was supposed to be Kemper uh, versus Campbell. And I'm not going to lie to you, Lesko. I'm disappointed. I was really happy to see that McKinnon is back tonight because I wanted this game to be a measuring stick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, not to say that Johansson can't play as well as no, Kemper but or whatever. It, but it's hard because Colorado is, is also just having a, a rough go. I mean, McKinnon's been out. They had some COVID issues early. And they're just not performing up to snuff. Right. So did you find Zegers? Yes. Okay. So Andy Strickland, St. Louis, I believe he covers the St. Louis yeah, Blues. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He is the one who reported initially. He said, on the ice, Trevor Zegers bet Ryan O'Reilly $100 that he'd win the opening draw. And he was shocked that O'Reilly, he transfers him the money, like sent him the money after the game. <laughs> and I guess he wasn't expecting it. And somehow he, he got like, I thought it's hooked up his email or whatever and sent him the money. I can't believe so he's that been that's going, legal. I know. He's been going up to guys basically saying, like, hey, I bet you, bet you 100 bucks on this draw. And he apparently he's done it on more than one occasion. I like that. I do. I and like it a lot. I don't know. It's just it's just interesting. Like, it's, it's fun. I don't see the harm in it. It's fun. Like, you're – you know how they say you can't, like, gamble on the games, but – it's not really gambling. It's me versus you. Yeah, it's me versus you in this scenario right here. You're not betting on, you know, you're not. Uh, an outcome. You're not betting on an outcome. Right. There's or, no odds being given. Like it's. Well, because the reason why. It's I, similar to a money on the board type I was just going to say yeah. that. The reason why I feel like it's not legal is I'm fairly certain that the money on the board thing is also against the rules. But it happens. Quietly. Well, the reason why, it, and it doesn't happen quietly because you hear about it in the media all the time now. But and and I think the circumvention of that is that it's the players paying the players. If the GM walked down and said, "Oh yeah, uh, yeah, thousand uh, dollars," Larry, Larry Tannenbaum just gave me a thousand dollar bill here for you guys. If you go knock Marshan's teeth out, right? That's a bounty. That's a fucking you know that's illegal. That's, that's circumventing the cap, basically, right? Right. So but these are players putting out money for other players. Right. Right? So I don't think there's anything you can touch on that. And I think it's probably a similar sense in similar this, here. In this okay. situation. But That's really interesting, though. I, cool. I like that a lot. Yeah. This Zegers guy seems that. like a character. I kind of I kind of started following him there when he was making me all his money in the world's juniors last year. <laughs> scoring <laughs> nice. every friggin' game. I was betting him <laughs> prop bets there. Every time. Plus odds. I love it. All right, man. Listen, let's get some Leafs. Uh, do we want to do some Leafs? Yeah, absolutely. We got to do some Leafs. I mean, the Leafs are on an absolute roll. We got to right get now. it out absolute of the way. Absolute heater. Um, we got eight minutes. You know, like, I'll, I'll let me get off my knees for a second so we can talk <laughs> about them. But these guys. Okay, so yeah, I'll, I'll try and isolate it down in the in in terms of the the big context, I guess. <clears throat> Last right. year, there Lay were times where like. Ah, the team seems different. You know, the, the way they're winning games, uh, the way they're playing. But you know what they lacked last year? There wasn't a lot of 60-minute efforts. No, it was 55 was, minutes. There was no consistency. And hang on. No consistency. You didn't know what team you are getting day in, day out. You had no idea. Are they going to show up on time? Right. Now, that was a question I felt when they were dusting 
Oh, first six games of the season were pretty frustrated. People were calling for heads. But since then, and and this is not a small sample size. I mean, they're, what, 16-1 or something in their last 17? Like, they're on an absolute heater. 14 of the likes we've never seen. No. Probably. 12-2 and two in November. So, I mean, Keith's setting records for, for his record as a coach. It seems to me that and, and I, I'm probably saying this early, and, and this might be a better thing to revisit in February or, say, Olympic break, but I feel like the team has is putting together consistent 60-minute efforts. Absolutely, I they mean, are. they're they're defending leads. They're getting the leads, too. Like, earlier in the season, they were not scoring first. They're scoring first. They're defending leads. They're playing with confidence. All four lines are playing with confidence. We have a shutdown line they, now. We've got a shutdown line that Kafe Case, uh, Kasha and Camp Connection. I fucking love those guys. I love it too. And they're they're so those guys played together apparently all the way through minor hockey. Yeah, over all in, the way uh, up until Kasha Czech, Czech Republic. Yeah, right? uh, yeah, until until Kasha got drafted and left, and that was that was I guess. And like I remember just reading somewhere, I can't remember where, but they said your Leaf fans are going to like this Camp guy. They're, everyone's kind of chirping the sign because no one knows he is. Right. But man, that you watch the way that guy plays hockey. That's exactly. What you need. He reminds me of uh, um, Jay McClement. You know? Okay, yeah. Love to have him on the ice. Don't expect any sh- offense, offense whatsoever. Zero. <laughs> and this guy loses marks for his offense, but with Kasha, he seems to have found a way to generate some offense with that chemistry, and I fucking love it. Yeah, but dude, how often does the camp line in their own zone? Well, they, the thing is, they start like 80% D zone. And But how often do they stay there? Usually break out quick, and like you notice his, his puck protection skills. Like he has good. Um, for a defensive player, quote unquote, he has pretty good hands. Like I noticed his ability to handle the puck and tie it, his ability to protect the puck, something that just like a little underrated skill for a third line grinder PK center. Yeah, right? he doesn't have bricks for hands. Right. Yeah, which sometimes is what you see in those more defensive uh, inclined players. I agree. Um, you know, the Leafs are doing so well that former members of the team are getting runoff. You got your James Reimer just lighting it up other oh, than the God, game yeah. other, other than the game where he got yanked against us, which yeah. I, enjoy, I enjoyed that. I would be remiss actually if we didn't shout out former Leafs goaltenders. I guess this week in Leafy Things And Freddie is that I, I looked at the stats it was probably a week and a half, two weeks ago. It was after Campbell got another shout out, I think, because I was interested. I'm like, who's leading the league of shout I was like, Campbell's going to be right there. Apparently, Markstrom has more of them. Yes, Markstrom. But anyway, All he does at the time when I pulled up the goalie stats, the three top goalies in terms of save percentage was. Jack Campbell followed by Freddie Anderson and James Reimer. And I was like, are you fucking <laughs> kidding me? Like, come on. But uh, in the same breath, shout out Reimer. Shout out Freddie yeah. Anderson. Hey, respect. Happy to see him successful. Fucking um, respect. San Jose needed – they needed that. And, and I don't think anyone knew what Reimer had in the tank. And it's nice to see him kind of reemerge as a starter as opposed to a 1B so I will tell you as well, as we move on from the goaltending, I mean, Campbell looks fantastic. Oh, he, he looks... We cannot say enough good things about Jack Campbell. He looks sustainable. Uh, if you remember in previous seasons, most notably last season, he would play a game and then have to take two fucking days off because he was injured. It was mm-hmm. very weird. Like, he looks we, 100% out What there. are we dealing with, Jack? Yeah. Now, and, that, that's not the case anymore. And there was that whole it's doubt great. of like, oh, we don't know what he is. He hasn't played enough in the NHL. Like, I... I, now, I was over that goal. I was fully confident in Jack Hamill coming this year. I wasn't one of those guys who was questioning, oh, well, we don't know. He hasn't played enough in the NHL. We don't know. No, I've seen enough. 
And he I is, agree. He has done everything for them. Be there when they need him. Steal them points. You know, yes. all the stuff that yep. you want an elite starter to do, he's doing. And so he, he's still he's unorthodox. His way. He is. You know, I tweeted He reminds recently, me of Cujo. Yeah, I tweeted literally those words. I said, he reminds me of Curse Joseph because sometimes he's swimming. Yeah, he's swimming. He makes the save. Yeah. And he looks okay doing it, but you're sometimes like. Sometimes he doesn't look like, okay. <laughs> why gross. is he like that? Why are you on your belly? Why and are you like, facing the net? Yeah, that and the playing the puck <laughs> is iffy at best when he plays the puck. So. So, yeah, um, aside from that, um, oh, my God, I fucking am totally brain cramping right now on what I was going to say. Oh, oh, I wanted to openly admit that I was wrong. I was wrong. Like, I, I wasn't necessarily questioning Campbell, okay? I don't want to go so far. But I you were do- looking at Mrazic a yeah, lot. Yeah, oh, I like Mrazic. Yeah. I'm a big Mrazic fan. I still am. Okay, I'm still holding out hopes for this guy. Well, I, fuck, I, I we know need to get starts because we don't want a tired Campbell. He's more fucking breakable than these goddamn fucking... Christmas village things made of porcelain. I get it. But Mrazek, I'm still high on this guy. And as long as he can come back and be healthy in like, you know, February, March, April, like post-Olympic break. By the way, can we? Can I get my Olympic take in here before we wrap up the show? I promised a couple of Twitter followers. Yeah, we'll throw it out. Followers, okay? We'll throw it out. Um, anyways, yeah, as long as we can get Mrazek back healthy and ready to go and take some of the take some of the pressure off of Jack like later in the like season. Like give him a rest. If we can get him at least for like a say the last 30 games he starts more than half. Yes. Something that, like that. Yes, if for the to la- make up for the starts that he's missed. Yes, I would may, 30 might be a bit much but like maybe like yeah, but somewhere between 20 and 30, okay? So somewhere between 20 and 30 the final 20 30 games of the season. Like let's say game number 55. Yeah. Uh, on game number 55, Mrazik is now the paper starter. Right. And by paper starter, I mean he starts three. Like by, by default. He starts two, Jack starts one. And simply out of like a, a rest factor for Campbell. Rest factor. Because right now, like, I think that's the only thing I'm a little tepid about is like I'm watching like. He needs rest. Oh, man, are we going to see like. I think Campbell's had like maybe one or two like uh, games. Yeah. And other than that. He's been phenomenal. Can't complain with that. He needs rest. Um, but, like, at what point in time are we going to see, like, a shit, man, he's had, like, three, four, five? Because I, I guess the big concern here is that an injury arises and they're like, ah, sorry, Jack, you got to battle through it. And, he, and, and knowing him, he, he will, will absolutely put himself up to that. Yes. So I hate to see a scenario a la Freddie Anderson last year where Freddie's like, Campbell's hurt. I got to stick around. And then Freddie ends up derailing his whole season because of it. Right, I agree. Now we see a, a rested, relaxed Freddie Anderson with Carolina playing like the Freddie Anderson of old, playing in front of probably the best defense he's ever played for. Yeah, let's be but honest. Yeah, he is. He he has the numbers to back it up. Right. Um, okay. So <clears throat> quickly on Campbell, uh, you know, is he uh, is he making noise for Team USA? That's a tough one because. How could he it's not like, be? They have Hutch. They have Gibson. So it's like the third guy is like, what, it could be me. Hutch. No, Hutch is it. Oh, Ooh. my God. <laughs> <laughs> Hellbuck. Different age. Excuse <laughs> you? <laughs> oh, man. Because when Hellbuck and Hutchison were the, were the Jets goalies, I got the two of them mixed up all right. the time. Right. You could have told me Hutchison won the Vets, and I'd be like, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, of course he did. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, the, the, the most updated projections here, we're looking at Hellebuck, like you said, uh, Gibson, right? Demko, okay, like he he's there too. But I mean, come on, man, like fucking Jack Campbell's like leading the league. I don't know, throw him a bone maybe just to 
put him there as the three spot, but uh, but we're not going anyways. But it's yeah, it seems like uh, we're not going to the Olympics anyways. Yeah. So you so you think so you think the NHL is not going to go? And is that are we talking like geopolitical shit? Or are we saying like COVID related or just all the things combined? Everything combined. Yeah. And, and my, too much. And my my hot take that I'm getting dragged for. Some people are dragging me. Um, I've actually managed to convert two separate people who at when I first told them that, you know, I, Josh Coleman, my personal opinion is that I hope that we do not go. Like it, it, it's my so, it's my desire to not go to these Olympics. These Olympics. Right. Not all Olympics. These particular Olympics, I have zero interest in going. I, I, I want them to drop out. Mm-hmm. January 10 is the final day to drop mm-hmm. out. We've already had the Ottawa Senators games get postponed. We've now had New York Islanders games mm-hmm. get postponed. I'm thinking one more postponement will give the NHL the ammunition or the, the reasoning that they, re, that they require. Because they need the schedule space, Exactly, right? to, to okay. drop out. So what, what is the reason go. that you hope, I guess, like what is the headline, do you think? Do you think that's the main one, is that there's just logistical nightmare caused by COVID, we need the schedule space? That's probably the most like passable from a PR standpoint for the league to, to march out in front of us. But it's true. It's not just like... Oh, yeah. It's not just like... It like, absolutely oh, is. We don't want to go to... Because like, I, I think that's the only... That's the only reason, aside from, in general, the owners don't want to go. The league doesn't want to go. But that's um, always the case. Right. So aside from that, because they're not going to go there and be like, well, we didn't want to go anyways. So like but the you headline see- is, is like, yeah, COVID restrictions in combination with our own COVID problems is why we don't go. But here's my biggest thing, okay? Because league- my, my biggest thing is fuck the Chinese government. Yes. That's a totally different did conversation. You, did, you, did you know that Pucks and Deep Podcast is now banned in China? Because if it wasn't, it definitely is right now. It is now. (laughs) So, because like, okay, so like the whole thing is that people are saying like, Bucket Olympics, Bucket Olympics, Canada, U.S., everyone should boil it. It's the most hypocritical shit in the world. Oh, we're not going to show up and play sports, but we're going to sit here and buy everything and and manufacture everything over there, including NHL made goods. Right. Like, give me a break. Okay. Okay. So don't. Don't fake the funk on me and fucking tell me it's political, right? Because it ain't. Even if it was, they would, would not promote it as such. Right. But my, my whole thing is, why is China at the Olympics to begin with? I agree. Fuck them, right? I agree. Fuck those communists. That, so honestly, dude, that is a viable reason for my opinion where I don't want to yeah. go. Yet I, I do not use that. As a reason, though, I'm right. st- I'm I'm sticking to the logistics, right? And for me, the logistics, the business are- case for the NHL, because that's the only way it gets interrupted. Because they have a business interest in being there, but when it doesn't gets outweighed by their own business interests at home, you got to keep your home in order. That's right. Okay, and and the home is not in order right now. The season is already condensed because we started late. We've been trying to get back on schedule. Why the fuck are we going to go to the Olympics in goddamn Beijing? And, 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 and disrupt the whole season for three weeks when we could basically get back on track. If the Olympics weren't happening this year, we would be back on track for next year. Mm-hmm. Like October 5th or 4th or whatever. Like right. a, normal, a normal training camp, a normal off-season. Probably have fucking UFA day on July 1. Yep. But no, now we have the Olympics, so everything's fucking pushed back. And, and, and it's another year that gets fucked over by the Olympics, okay? Yeah. That's a logistical concern. Number two. The fan perspective. The, the league... No, before I get to there, okay. one more. The league and the and the owners 
who are obviously together. They're in cahoots. The league and the owners have never enjoyed going to the Olympics. We all know this. But has that, has that actually physically stopped the players from going to the Olympics before? The answer is no. It's not enough. The answer is no. The only reason why the players have not gone to the Olympics in Olympics past is because the IOC is a bunch of crooked fucks. Right. Which That's is why, why the Olympics ends up in places like Sochi, Russia, and China. So Yes. Right? So, like, I understand that now we're getting into the hey, fan... Hey, Hitler hosted the Olympics too, so <laughs> what, why not? <laughs> now we're getting into the fan perspective. Right. So this is a nice little segue, because now we're going to enter into the fan perspective, because I understand all of you people out there... Oh, you people. All of you people out there that are, like, ready to crucify me, because I'm saying, oh, fucking Coleman doesn't want... Best on best. Oh, yeah, fucking, uh, would that ever be terrible? Matthews playing together with Patrick Kane and Crosby and McDavid. Like, I get all that, man. As a fan, I get that. I agree Mm -hmm. with you. I'm not saying that that -hmm. would be bad. But what I am saying is I'm a fan of hockey. Mm -hmm. I'm a fan of the NHL, Mm -hmm. okay? I'm a fan of seeing best on best. Mm -hmm. But am I really going to... What am I going to do, Lesko? These games are going to be on at like 6, 7 in the morning. We should do live streams for those games. What am I going to do? <laughs> well, am I going to take work Am I going to take work off to watch, to watch Canada versus Switzerland at 7 in the morning on a Tuesday? That's something that really hit me with the last Olympics. Uh, they were in South Korea, right? And I, I ended up partying one night, so it was just on. It was just on in the background. We had sports on in the background. I'm like, I think it was just, it might have been one of the, like a semifinal or final game, and I'm like, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, this is happening, this right? This is happening. Didn't really know it about it, but went also, like, shift. NHL was playing, like, how much would I really have cared? Like, I'm just too old. Maybe that's what it is. If I was 23 instead of 33, I might be like, yeah, I'll stay up or I'll wake up at 2.30 to watch watch Team Canada play. Dude, I, I totally agree. I said this to you before we started recording the podcast tonight. The last time NHL players were at the Olympics – and the the time zones were were fucky. I don't even remember when it was. It was. It was Sochi, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so when we went and to Sochi. And they were terrible, though. Like, didn't they, like, make a way to. No, dude. Like, the gold medal game was at, like, 4 a.m., 3 a.m. Oh, right. I remember waking up for it now. See? Yeah. But, but I was in school then. 4 a.m. is feasible to wake up for. But I was in school at that point right. in time. Whereas, meaning I didn't have a fucking job, like, a career. Like, I didn't have to go to work. Like, I remember we got. It we, was easier to remake your whole non-existent oh, schedule. We, we got wasted and had an all-nighter at my yeah. buddy's place. And we all. I remember. I still have the pictures what a great night that was yeah but i I, honestly like what am i gonna do am i gonna open up the garage to like my buddies and you and like friends can come over and we can viewing experience isn't there we can hoot and holler at fucking 7 30 in the morning with our coffee yeah like it's It's gonna be weird uh it's gonna be a weird experience and like it's lame i'm interested to see if i jack lame like if i actually what the schedule looks like anyway okay because we don't have it yet right no we don't and secondly let's go okay this might even be more important than the first point which is the fact that the games are going to be on at terrible times second point what are you going to do with your life at 7.30 p.m. every day for three weeks. Play a lot of Halo. But I'm a hockey <laughs> fan, okay? I get it if you're a big baseball or baseball, excuse me, basketball. Like, I get it if you're a big basketball fan, you can watch the Raps or you can watch, you know, your favorite basketball team or your favorite basketball player. I don't give one fuck about basketball. So I'm not going to be doing anything. I'm going to have sweet fuck all to do with my life every night for almost a month, 
And let's talk about COVID now because it might actually be more than the standard Olympic break. The standard Olympic break, I believe, is just a shade under three weeks. Like from the time the players leave and the NHL is done until the time they come back and the games start again. Because you know how it is, Lesko. When the NHL players go, I believe there's NHL games like the day after the gold medal game. Like they have to come home and fucking play. So... I don't think that's going to be the case. We're over in China. There's a goddamn fucking pandemic going on. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of COVID. Like, there's a pandemic going on. Are, are the players just going to come home and immediately go to the rink and, and start playing games? Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm here's afraid. A, here's a wrench. In, 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 I'm afraid. So there is a schedule. I'm just finding a schedule. I, want, well, I guess one other thing I wanted to add quickly is that, uh, I, and I guess a logistical aspect that the, a, a lot of people are pointing out that the players may not have considered is that the Chinese government, you fly in there and you're, you got a runny nose, you're gone. Like just go, you're in isolation. So I, I read a story about an athlete for some competitive tournament. I can't even remember the sport, but they were smuggled out of the country on a fucking cargo plane. On a plane cargo plane. With a bunch of like a hundred boxes of staplers or something. It was bobsleigh. Right, bobsleigh. That's what it was. It, because they went there for like a trial or something. And they, they, they had some Yeah, symptoms. running trial runs. So they said, you've got to isolate. Instead of isolating, they're like, I can't isolate for 14 days. They smuggled them out of the country. So literally I smuggled sure, them out of the that's country. that's public information, my assumption is that that person is not going to be allowed back at the Olympics. But anyway, to shoot a couple holes in your shit, um, <laughs> it looks like the uh, first day preliminaries oh so they have a schedule for preliminaries now this preliminary game canada against germany group a uh apparently it's at nine o'clock in the morning at night oh so they're playing that game at 9 a.m all the games uh sweden starts playing at 12 10 and the games go to canada's last game at nine at night i don't know how that translates into beijing time but i'm just scrolling through this schedule well it's here. 13 hours i know that already it's plus 13 hours yeah, to so Beijing. So Canada's going to be playing at 9 at night. So they're going to play their Olympic games at 10 a.m. And then there's another one. When they play the U.S. in the preliminaries, they play at 12.10. In the – wait, what? 12.10 a.m. or 12.10 a.m.? Oh, so midnight games. See, that's better. I'm okay with that. Midnight, I can stay up for that. See, I'm okay with that. This is making me feel better about it. That's interesting. So, oh, sorry. So, 20, 21 o'clock. Goddamn fucking military time. 21 is... 21 is uh, 9 p.m. Yeah. So, their first game is at 9 p.m. from what I can see. And here. you're seeing that's Eastern Standard Time. Oh. Or is that local time? Oh, this is probably local. See? Oh. And that so does... 9 p.m. in China. Oh, fuck. What? Oh. I'm working, bro. Okay. Uh, now see now I got nothing. Now I gotta <laughs> now I gotta look at Eastern Time. Don't look men's it's a, Olympic. Oh, hockey schedule. Yeah, but come on, it what it doesn't tell you the fucking time. Well, it, this thing is like yeah, they should tell me what time zone they're referencing because like it I doesn't? guess I'm, I'm supposed to assume it's it's Beijing time. I guess because yeah, on the like the, uh, this is on the Olympics dot com Beijing twenty twenty two, but why would it give me Eastern Time? You're right. You're absolutely right about that. This is not Eastern time. This has got to be Beijing time, right? Oh, God. 
Because I remember, dude, I remember the same problem when I was watching the Summer Olympics. I was trying to look up the times of things, and I was completely fucked up on it. Yeah, that's because right here, I dude. thought when I looked it up, it was telling me the schedule in Eastern Time. But unless you're looking up on like CBC on the network, eight 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 ten a.m. Eastern Standard Time, yeah. February tenth. So, so our workplaces will really be the ones who suffer through the Olympics. We're not going. We're not going to work. Or the no, they're not going to the Olympics. Okay. Just, I'll bet you right now. Bet you a fucking hundred bucks we're not going to the Olympics. I think they're going to try their best to go, but I wouldn't be surprised if they don't. And honestly, ah, fuck. It's sad to say, but I wouldn't be terribly disappointed, only because we didn't have it last time, and it's like it just feels like almost like a, a unreasonable novelty at this point. And and I think I was I was very um, hesitant the whole time as to whether or not they would go. Like I I was never confident given the geopolitical concerns, the COVID concerns, over and over again. so I, I agree with that. But if I just remove all of that, you know, like you said, geopolitical. Yeah. Boiling down and, to logistics, it's, it's going to be tough. Yeah, And I think that, like I said, the players, I don't think, are really grasping the restrictions and concerns that the Chi- and the power the Chinese government has over here, like over there. Like nobody... That's what people don't understand, and like I, we referenced it when we talked about COVID restrictions and shit like that, and people bitching about, oh, it's fucking dictatorship and fucking all this stuff, vaccines and whatever. Like, no, dog, go to China and see what that's really like. Yeah, what it's really like when you post on Facebook that you don't like the government and then end up working in some factory in eastern China or disappearing in western China. Like, um, you you are you are partially right though, Lesko. There are some games, um, in the in the PM. There are some games in the evening. Friday, February 11, Canada versus United States, 11:10 p.m. Oh, okay. For, on a Friday, Eastern Ooh, time. Ooh, that could be a fun right? night. That's fine, right? That's fine. Canada versus China, 8:10 a.m. on Sunday, so we can get up early. Oh, it won't be worth watching anyway. It'll be a spectacle, though. Well, I think that's why it would be worth watching, though. I want to bet the over under if they're accepting bets on that game <laughs> at like plus 20. I want. I want no over under. Give me over. What, what do you think the line is on that game? Oh fuck! Over I have under, no like idea, man. total I have score. No idea, because like the average over under in the NHL is like five point five to six point five, right? Right. Yes. So what's the over under yeah. in that game? Twenty. Oh, dude, it'd have to be nineteen point five. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like right. Um, but you know, as we move forward into the quarterfinals and the semifinals, they're not looking very good, man. Like quarterfinal two, quarterfinal one is on Tuesday, February fifteen, and it's at eleven ten. So you PM. found an Eastern Standard Time yeah. schedule there? Yeah. Nice. Uh, it's on NHL.com. Uh, okay. Wednesday, February sixteen is quarterfinal two. That's at one a.m. Fuck, that sucks, man. Like Thursday is the semifinal one at eleven ten p.m. Again, like okay, yeah. it's it's fine, I guess. But That's now, I'm, fuck, I'm going like I'm up until two or three. I'm only like, staying up on a Thursday to go see Sawmill Road at Legends. So hey, let's go, baby, let's go. All right, listen, man. Gold medal game though, Saturday, February nineteenth, scheduled for eleven ten p.m. Not too bad. So that's fine. That's a gold medal game. It's a Saturday night, so you don't have anywhere to go on Sunday. So, yes, you you have relieved me from my fears a little bit on the timing. uh, But overall, I'm still hoping that we don't go. I'm sorry. I hate to be that guy, but... You know what? Because you Fuck. just don't want the NHL to get fucked up, is what I don't down want to. the. I'm a bigger NHL fan than I am a fucking right. Team Canada. So you fan. care? You ter- you care less really about what happens, like at the expense of the NHL. Like you don't you don't want yes. them. You know what? And and we've said this a couple times, but I think the NHL needs to get a scheduling in order. In that this, 
okay, the break is one thing. Yeah, I get it. It fucks you up. It sucks. But can we not just fix the schedule once and for all and start the fucking league in September and have it end in May? Yeah. And in, in May 1st. Yeah. You know, or mid-May. Get this shit done. And I'll, I'll, always, I'll always add for, advocate for that for, uh, until it happens. Um, we did gloss over the Leafs really quick. So you're good. You're, you're not one of those fucking uh, doomy gloomies out there. Because I, I, I did notice in the first little while the Leafs win streak that people were digging. They were grasping for straws for things to complain about. People were bitching about Kyle Clifford being acquired for future considerations. For nothing. I will never argue with a fucking, you know. A, a Pick them up for nothing. Well, a tough guy for nothing? I'll take that. Mm-hmm. We, could, we could use a little more depth on that front. So No, dude. I'm not doom and gloom. We're wrapping it up. The game's on soon. That's it. Good stuff. Playing them off like the fucking Oscars. Get rid of me. All right, well, episode 91. That's a wrap. Pucks and D podcast. At Coleman42. At Let's Go Adam. At PuckPod. Tweet us. Tell me I'm an idiot for not wanting the NHL to go to the Olympics. Tell us how much you like or dislike Christmas Villages. Christmas Villages. God, they're so cute. That needs to be a topic of discussion for sure. We covered a lot of shit in today's episode. Uh, I'm just holding out hope that... Honestly, dude, if we... If the Leafs lose tonight, we're no longer recording during heaters. I, it depends. If Naz burns us with like a four-point night in the Hattie, we might have to talk about it. Because <laughs> Naz is on fire right now. Yeah, and I'm so happy for him because I, as much as he burned us, I still fucking love that guy. No. I can't help it. No. Terrible. You're, you're actively cheering against him? Like, once you're gone, you're trash? I just don't like him. You don't like him at I all? I don't like him at all. Oh, okay. I don't like him at all after that's what a, he that's did. That's a rare take. That's a hot No, take. I don't like him at all after what he did. I defended, I don't like what he did. I defended Kadri for years. Friends of mine, people wanted him traded. I, I'm over it. Anyway... Song's almost over. We got to get out of here. 7.31 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hey. Thanks for joining us here on the Parks and D podcast. We'll see you next week or maybe the week after. I don't know. If the Leafs continue to win, we'll see you again real quick. Go Leafs go. Pucks and D.